Welcome to the Off Lead Podcast, presented by Gun Dog Outpost. My name is Tyler Meaden, and I'm your host. On today's episode, we welcome Aaron Joes from Red Cedar Retrievers in Menominee, Wisconsin. No, that is not in my backyard. It's probably a four-hour drive away from me, but it is still nice to talk to a fellow Wisconsinite. So Aaron started his own training business in 2019. He's continued to expand that uh, with the breeding program. And we step outside of the hunt test world in this episode. So Aaron has programs designed to prep dogs for hunting season, which is why I personally own a gun dog. So we, uh, what we do is we dive into the various aspects of that program, talk about training during the season, as well as uh, including clicker training in a gun dog program. Yes, if you've never heard of that, we're going to talk about that and the potential benefits of that. And then uh, lastly, uh, you know, one thing we really touch on is continuously seeking out training tips, ideas, and general knowledge as a best practice. So give it a listen. If you have any feedback, let me know and enjoy. Before we get into today's podcast, I want to mention a word about Gundog Outpost, the store for the Gundog owner. You'll find just about anything you need to train your gun dog, from bumpers to e-collars to leads, and they have hats. New products are constantly being added, so if you are in need of new training equipment, head on over to gundogoutpost.com and check out the store. All right, Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping on. Um, and as we get started, uh, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself, tell everyone where you're at, you know, how you got into the gun dog business and, and a little bit about your, your, your training business and that sort of thing. Sure. So uh, Aaron Jost, um, co-owner of Red Cedar Retrievers over in um, Menominee, Wisconsin. Um, my wife and I started this uh, little business here um, end of 2019 when um, we decided that we wanted to um, breed our, our uh, two and a half year old chocolate lab, Gracie. Um, my wife and I had been around breeding uh, as we grew up, my grandparents bred golden retrievers, her grandparents bred um, Spritneys. So um, we've been around gun dogs our entire lives. I picked up Gracie um, after uh, my wife and I had met. Uh, there was a stint in, uh, in my life where we didn't really have, I didn't have a dog around. Um, I'd moved out of my parents' house and kind of on my own um, and my wife she came into a little inheritance money and she actually bought Gracie as a gift for me and um, that's what really got me into uh, the gun dog world uh, before that I was like any typical um, Wisconsin guy uh, big deer hunter and turkey hunter um, and once once Gracie came around and um, I worked with a few mentors and got into training with her, I realized that um, I have a huge passion for 
uh, hunting with a gun dog, whether it's upland hunting or waterfall hunting, the the social aspect of it, um, even if it's just you and the dog, it's still uh, way greater than sitting in a deer stand by yourself in 10 degree weather. So, <laughs> well, you're you're moving too. I'm speaking from experience because I, I deer hunt quite a bit too. Moving, moving and staying warm helps. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Especially, uh, especially up here. Yeah. Uh, you know, some years it could be, it could be 50 degrees on openers and other years 10. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, um, you, you got Gracie, you, you, you fell in love, you dove head first. What, what was it about her that made you decide you wanted to, um, to breed her? So, um, she, she is, and, and I'm biased, obviously, but she is a gorgeous dog. Um, if you ever jump on our Instagram, uh, she's all over it. She is a uh, chocolate lab, that real dark chocolate color. She is on the smaller side, which we love. And she is just extremely proportional. Um, you see some some labs that have you know, that, uh, that skinnier, longer face on her or, uh, some of those labs that are really tall and lanky. And, um, she is just this ideal, um, in our mind. And then, um, you know, not just, not just her looks, but also just her drive in hunting is phenomenal. She will go all day and never, stop honestly and uh and then the off switch as well she'll you know she's a house dog in the off season she she's not out in an outdoor run or anything she sleeps at the foot of my bed every night and uh, that off switch was uh, really desirable to us so my wife and I started talking and about how you know how we really love every aspect about her and decided that um, even though she doesn't have these phenomenal pedigrees to her, we feel that when we bred her, we would still be bettering the breed. Um, it, it's important to us that, you know, we're doing all the health checks and everything. And she passed that. And, and once she passed all that, we, we decided, yeah, this was a thing we wanted to do. So our, um, I guess, oh, how do you say it? Breeding uh, plan, I guess. Um, is it's like a, uh, like a, a yeah, philosophy. Yeah, yeah, philosophy. There you go. Yeah. So um, is, you know, these exceptional hunting dogs that also are, wonderful family members we're not catering to the guys that want their dogs on a truck nine months out of the year running hunt tests and field trials we cater to the weekend warrior with our dogs and we find that there's actually a a bigger demand um for that and that demand is from the type of people that we are and we know that when these dogs go home, they're going to be loved 
and taken care of, but also get to use their skills out in the duck blind or in that hundred acre field of CRP. Yep. I think, um, you know, you, you hit on, you hit on one thing that I, I think I talked about um, last week too, which is some dogs are just born with it and they just have, they have it, you know, whether it's upland hunting, whether it's waterfall hunting, it sounds like Gracie is, um, it very much fits that mold. And as far as the on off switch, that's such a key thing. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of dogs with, with high drive, but, um, the last thing you want is for that high drive to carry over into the house. So, you know, having, having an off switch is a key, key component. And one thing that, you know, I think I've seen stressed more and more in, in breeding programs and breeding philosophies. So that's a, that is a great, great thing. Now you mentioned that you don't, um, you don't cater to, to, you know, people that run hunt tests or field trails, which is, uh, which is good. I mean, I, I do run, um, hunt tests. I think people probably, probably know that, but that's a, that's a really small world. The majority of people are out there. Um, you know, they, they want their dog in the duck blind with them. They want them in the upland field. Um, they want them to, to chase birds, to pick up birds, to, to bring them back. They just, they want a reliable hunting partner. So, you know, with that, and you know, your training dogs, what does your training program look like? You know, who are, who are your training influences? What are your, what are your training beliefs? Let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Sure. So, um, our, our training program, we've got three of them actually. Um, we've got one, um, titled companion gun dog training. 12 to 14 weeks long. Um, and it's that bird and gunfire exposure. It's the basic retrieve to hand. Um, we go through collar conditioning and remote sit whistle commands. So just that, that program that uh, the dogs would come to us uh, five months or older, they'll have, their owners will have done basic commands with them and we are getting them exposed to the things that can be a little touchier for a young dog like i said that bird exposure that gunfire exposure the collar conditioning water introduction the things that can possibly go wrong if not done correctly 100 percent. every single thing that you just said um, you can, <laughs> if done incorrectly, uh, you can, you can do a lot more harm than good to a young dog. Yeah. And I've seen it, um, just a couple times with, uh, buddy's dogs where, you know, they may have done just a few things off for a week with collar conditioning. And then they'll get a hold of me saying something's not right. And I'll talk to them about it. And already it's, it's, causing that part of their training to be extended by two, three weeks because they need to get past something that may not have been done correctly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So sorry to, sorry to, to interrupt there. Keep, keep going. What, um, what are the other two, two programs that you, that you have in place then? Sure. So um, the other program is uh, Finnish gun dog. And again, 12 to 14 weeks, all depends on the dogs. Um, 
We want that dog to successfully learn the advanced aspects of being that exceptional gun dog. So uh, in that program, we're doing, you know, like the finish retrieve, which includes force fetch and that uh, that hold command is in there. And then after force fetch, that's phased out, obviously. But then we'll start with, you know, advanced marking as well. So, you know, over different terrains, um, triples. And then the last thing uh, that is in there is the casting aspect and doing blind retrieving so that like i said that more advanced that finished maybe maybe your dog has already been through the companion gun dog training experienced one season of hunting already and now you're ready to take that dog to the next level mm -hmm. and it, it's funny you mentioned mentioned blinds because um it, you know the the way that that we got we were connected um was you know you or I do do Instagram live sessions and you had asked a question about the one, you know, asked about a topic that I should talk about, which was turning and facing. How do you get the dog to turn and face you on the whistle when running a blind? And so, you know, that's a topic that we've debated back and forth on. And, um, you know, Aaron, do you want to share the, share the way that, um, you know, you were taught by a pretty successful field trialer? Yeah. So, um, I was, I was always taught you stop the dog on the whistle and then if they're not turned around facing you, you give them the hear command until they turn around and then you stop them real quick. So they are there facing you, sitting down the way they should have been on the very first sit whistle. Now, every once in a while, um, you have to, you have to charge at the dog to, to get them to really sit back down after that hear command, you know, to, to get through to them of you need to be turning around facing me. That sit whistle is not just sit in place. It's sit, turn around, look, wait for that, that cast and work together team to run that blind. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've, I've done that too. And then I think I shared with you that, you know, if my dog, he knows what he should be doing. So if he doesn't square up to me, I'll actually just walk out there and then blow the whistle again and then physically just square him up to me, which is probably, I, I don't know if that's correct or incorrect, but um, it, it has worked. Um, you know, I talked with, you know, I, you know, my, one of my, one of my buddies who runs his own, his own training business, you know, um, his belief is that, you know, in using place boards and, and um, working on initial casting left, left, rights and, and left back and right back, and then send the dog back to place, you know, they, they square up to you. And, and that's, that's the way that it just kind of becomes automatic for them. So really, it's a, it's a really interesting topic. Um, one that, you know, can get a little bit more complex than what, uh, than what it initially appears. So it's funny you mentioned that because that's actually how I started with Gracie was, was sent to the place board. And then I taught my, you know, left, right, back cast off of a place board. And then, um, then I would pull that place board 
and start running that T pattern. Well, that's when I saw that I wouldn't get the squaring up with the sit whistle. But if the place board was out there, she would square up no problem. So I, I'll, I'll admit that I, I struggle with the sit whistle and dogs. And if anybody out there has a different way of doing it, please get a hold of me because I'm always looking to learn new training techniques, try new things with these dogs and figure out, you know, what's going to work and have that extra tool in my tool belt for a dog like Gracie that has these quirks to her that a normal program does not work on. <laughs> uh, she sounds like she's something special. Uh, you know, I think, <laughs> I, I think what you just said is, is, is key. And that's one that, you know, it's a really important lesson, right? And it's that, you know, no matter who it is, no matter, no matter how experienced you are as a trainer, continuing to seek out information, right? I think we, we've bounced things back and forth quite a bit, um, different programs, different reference materials, um, you know, chatting be before this. And we're just, we're just looking for what's another way to do this or what's another way to do this. And, you know, different dogs present different circumstances. They present different, you know, training situation scenarios. They all do things differently. And the ones that are quirky, like Gracie, and I can tell you Mac is a little bit quirky too. We were, we were talking about that before, before we started recording this. Uh, it, you know, you got to get creative sometimes. You got to work through issues or random things. And, um, you know, it's, it's good though. It's good, it, it's good to continue to seek out more information and continue to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, we just picked up our newest member of Red Sea Retrievers here this last weekend, um, a yellow lab from down in Iowa. And um, my wife my wife looked at me and said, why don't we do clicker training? And I said, well, I've never, I've never been taught clicker training. But then also, um, one of the one of the large influencers in the training programs is Richard Walters. And I think page two or three, he talks about your dog should be working for you for praise, not for treats. So I guess, you know, we never, we never gave it a try. So my wife looked at me and said, well, let's, let's try it. We had four or five people that just bought a pup out of our last litter asked us about clicker training and I wasn't able to speak intelligently on the topic. So we decided that, all right, we're going to give it a try. And if three weeks goes by and we're not making any progress, we can always go right back to how we've always done things. But we need to take the time to better, just like we talk about bettering the breed with our breeding, we need to be bettering ourselves with our our training techniques. Absolutely. And so when you talk clicker training, so is that just at the, like the puppy stage um, and teaching initial commands? Is that, is that how you're implementing clicker training? Yeah, that's what we're going to end up doing. Um, I reached out to a couple of our connections of mine in the training world and um, yeah, kind of got the same thing of, well, we, we don't do it because we, you know, we never really had a mentor 
to teach us how to do it and the way we do things works, which is, I totally understand that. And then I've, I've got other people response like, yeah, we, we love, we love it. And then I actually got, I got one response from uh, Anthony Farrell from Fetching Feathers. And he said, the first dog of his, he didn't do it. Now he's got Fetching Feathers, a kennel, and he does it there. And he said he's taking weeks off of his basic commands. So we're going to give it a try and we're going to do the basic commands with it. And once we start uh, seeing the, the, the fact that she has learned the command, you know, we've taught her the command, she knows it, we're going to phase off the treats real fast. Perfect. Perfect. Treats or clickers? Uh, we're going we're gonna to phase off uh, the treats. Okay. We're still going to click. Okay. But instead of treat after every click, we're going to start phasing into praise. And then eventually we'll phase off the clicker and it'll just be working for prey. Perfect. Perfect. I'm, um, I, I'm really curious to see what your experience is like. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who are familiar with, with fetching feathers on, on Instagram. It's a, it's a pretty big page and Anthony has a pretty big following and I didn't know that he was using clicker training. So I'm curious to see if it, it, what your results are. And I think we, we may have to have another conversation at some point in the future. And you let me know if it, if it's shaving off a couple of weeks of, of teaching basic commands, uh, that's something that is worthwhile exploring. Yeah, absolutely. As long as the commands are known after those couple of weeks, you know, if, if you're shaving off those weeks, but they're not, they're only 80% on them as opposed to 95%, then, then we're just wasting our time. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That's, that's good stuff there. Let's, um, let's transition to talking about hunting a little bit. So I know you mentioned, you know, you're up in Menominee, Wisconsin, and you um, have hunted a wide variety of game, you know, and, and hunting season, you know, dub season, early goose, early teal, that all opened up at the beginning of September in Wisconsin. For you, when you're training dogs for hunting season prep, um, you know, do you, do you do anything else outside of, of, um, you know, the, the, the programs that you talked about, um, to get your dogs ready for, for the early season, um, and then into the main seasons? Um, I don't know if we do anything outside of the programs that, um, I talked about, but I think that the way we, the way we work on things gets phased into aspects that are used in hunting. So take place, for example, we'll use a place board, we'll work on place, we'll, we'll uh, send the dog to place um, after retrieve and all that. Well, then all of a sudden we're getting close to the season. So maybe our place board becomes um, a Momar stand instead of that regular place board. And it becomes a, um, a tree stand slapped onto a tree with uh you know, with a covering over the grate for the dog to, to work off of. Um, we'll start, instead of working on water retrieves, um, right off the edge of a pond in mowed grass, we'll, we'll go into that taller stuff where they don't have that perfect view of where everything's landing. Um, we'll start using the field blind, all that type of stuff. So it, like I said, the, the, I think the, the drills and stuff we do 
are still the same drills. We just give them a little twist to reflect that that hunting aspect. And obviously, we'll we'll uh, you know we'll throw decoys out there for them to work through. We'll um, you know we'll we'll throw a duck call in before mark that type of stuff. Yep, absolutely. And that's you know I think that's important for for people that do, that aren't running hunt tests. Uh, you know, hunt tests, if you're trained for a hunt test, you're going to be, you're going to need to do all that stuff before you run a test or your dog, you don't want your, basically you don't want to show up at a test and your dog have never seen a decoy before. Uh, Cause then you have no idea how that's going to happen. Going to, you have no idea what's going to happen at that point in time. Um, and what, what you're talking about, Aaron is doing the same exact thing, except you're not training them for a hunt test. You're training them for everything that they're going to see out in the field. Um, when they go out for their first hunt and that is that is so crucial yeah and no matter what you're never going to be able to replicate that first hunt so we're gonna we're gonna try to get as close as we can but then um you know we we talk to we talk to our clients and say all right the first time you take them out we suggest you don't carry a gun you handle your dog because no matter how you prepared for it there's going to be something that throws that dog for a loop. Yeah. And is that, I mean, is that, is that a mistake that you see a lot of people make um, going out and, um, and trying to, trying to shoot and handle their dog the first time they take them out? Um, yes, I will admit that I made that mistake myself and it, it just, it's a start of bad habits. It, you know, the hunt all of a sudden becomes um more frustrating because let's admit it we all have high expectations for our dogs first hunt especially when we've been working with them for the last six months and they've been you know doing 150 yard retrieves they've been doing water doubles and all that so take the first couple of hunts don't bring your gun give up shooting for a couple of hunts and i guarantee that the rest of your hunts with your dog are going to be much more enjoyable. I would, I would agree. So are you, are you suggesting that, that we as trainers um, of our, of our hunting companions, our gun dogs need to be patient? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a struggle. I, I admit that I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in training my own dog too. So uh, patience is at the core of a lot of, a lot of those mistakes. Absolutely. It's, it's something that, um, it's something that I didn't realize until I got into it was the patient aspect. And it, I learned, I learned that the hard way. And we, I'm just trying to give, give a tip or a little free advice here because, um, I got tons of it when I got started. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it helps. It helps. All right. Um, what actually, one more question on that topic. W would you recommend that, you know, if someone has their, they're taking their dog out for the first time, keep, keep the, the hunting party small. Would that be beneficial? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you, so before the season, everyone's probably working with blanks, you know, trying to stimulate the hunt as much as possible. Well, that's one gun, maybe two, if you got a couple of buddies that are willing to help you out. But if you get four or five guns that all unload on that first ball of teal that comes over, 
that's what I'm talking about, about those things that will throw your dog for a loop that you do not expect. Mm-hmm. That's, um, those are, those are situations you want to avoid because it could, you know, I don't, I don't know, amp your dog up to a level that you've maybe never seen, or, you know, if they're like eight months old, just freak them out and potentially scar them. All right. Um, so we talked a lot about prep hunting season prep. Um, so once the season arrives, what, what do you do during the season from a, from a training standpoint? Like how much do you train? Um, you know, how many days a week do you cut it back? Uh, because you know, at least in Wisconsin, you know, the days start to get shorter. You hit September, you know, and it's, you know, the sun is setting earlier, um, and earlier and earlier, you know, how do you, how do you keep your dog sharp and, and what's your training protocol during, during the season? I think that um, it kind of all depends on how much you're able to go out. Um, are you a weekend warrior? Are you, you know, taking three days off a week to hunt? And it also depends on how the hunt goes. If, if you take your dog out for a hunt and they get, you know, they pick up two limits of greenheads, I won't train the rest of the day. That, I mean, they... They got more experience doing that than they will ever pick up in a training session, especially when they're beat after doing all that work in the morning. Now, if I go out and we sit there for three hours and we shoot one green head, now I'll probably come home and, you know, run a couple of drills to keep them sharp. The other thing that I'll do is I'll throw, I'll throw a bumper in my blind bag. And if things are slow, and that dog's not paying attention, I'll throw that bumper out there just to keep her on her toes and to just utilize this opportunity of being out in a new place, being in that hunting situation and getting her more exposure. Sure. I, that's, that's, that's a great tip. Do you still do that with, with Grace, even though she's, she's real experienced now? Yes, I will. I will. Um, if I'll usually have like a buddy, um, you know, I'll, I'll see if you, if he wants to, uh, you know, use a shell for me. And, um, you know, if that, if, uh, if Gracie's not paying attention or something, I will, I'll throw that bumper out and, and, and have him shoot, uh, just like that bird came, you know, came diving in from the side when everybody's not paying attention. So, it, uh, yeah, I still do it with, um, Gracie and she's almost four now. That's, that's fantastic. I, I, you know, personally, I would have never thought to do that, but, uh, let's just say, I, th- I think I'll, I'll be sticking, you know, sticking a bumper, um, into my blind bag and then taking it out there into the field with me. I think that's, I think that's a great tip. Keep your dogs engaged, keep them energized and, and, uh, keep them ready to go. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Perfect. All right. So, um, Aaron, I have, uh, I have a few just, just rapid fire questions here for you. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll just wrap, we'll wrap things up here. I know it's, uh, it's almost eight thirty our time here and I need to probably go to bed soon because my four forty-five AM alarm is, is coming quickly. So, um, 
question wise for you first one rapid fire your your training shoe of choice correct yes um, you were speaking my language all right um post training beverage of choice a cold beer okay and Any it doesn't part- matter what kind as long okay. as it's cold okay excellent all right uh, do you have any big hunting trips planned this fall? Yeah, um, we're actually taking the first week in November and we're headed uh, up to central North Dakota to uh, do kind of a combo waterfall upland hunt. That sounds like a blast, a bl- absolute blast. All right, uh, so you just mentioned you're in combo upland or waterfall hunt in, in North Dakota. So if, if given the choice, uh, upland or waterfall hunting, what is your preference? Boy, that's hard. I think it depends on what mood I'm in. If I want to, <laughs> if I want to spend, uh, two hours getting gear ready, then uh, waterfall by far. But if I'm looking for a quick after work hunt, throw in the vest and the gun and the dog and go walk a field for some roosters. Perfect. Perfect. All right. You mentioned Richard Walters, which a lot of people are familiar with. Um, any other training influences out there? Any reference materials uh, or specific programs or people that, that you turn to? Uh, Tom Dawkin. Um, we, I referenced his retriever training book uh, quite often in my first year um, working with Gracie. And um, honestly, a lot of the, the best um, resources that I found were just other trainers, whether they were pros or amateurs, just soaking up every piece of knowledge I could from anybody who was willing to help me out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, last question for you is, since you are a lab guy, chocolate, black, yellow, or fox red? Oh, my heart's with the chocolate. <laughs> Gracie's my first, and she'll always have my heart. Our, our newest, Ira, she's a, she's a yellow, and but uh, chocolates will always have my heart. Okay, all right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, <laughs> that's fantastic. So, uh, all right, before we go, though, what, um, Aaron, why don't you give the, give the name of your business, um, you know, your, um, Instagram, um, Facebook page, your Instagram handle, your Facebook page, um, and, and anywhere else people can, can get in touch with you. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at red cedar retrievers. Uh, keep an eye out every Tuesday for our training talk Tuesday, where we like to put together a little paragraph of a little more in-depth, uh, training information and, uh, don't be afraid to, you know, jump on and leave a comment or, or uh, ask a question about it. Uh, the other place you can find us is on our website, redcedarretrievers.com. We've got tons of puppy photos from our last litter. And um, that's it, man. That's good. That's good. Do you have, so, okay, a couple of comments. One, the, the, the training talk Tuesday, I would highly recommend um, following along for that. I, I follow along. I, I know you, you tagged me in an Aaron and it's, it's, it is, it is worth the, the paragraph or two, um, of reading because there's, there's a lot of good stuff that you put in that. 
And then two, um, do you have a, another litter planned um, from a timing perspective? Yeah. Um, so right now, um, Gracie just went through a heat cycle here. We like to skip a heat cycle in between litters. So we're looking at late spring, early summer of uh, 2021. And uh, we plan on this being an all chocolate litter. Perfect. So folks, if you are looking for a chocolate puppy next year, uh, I would, I would recommend getting in touch with, with Aaron. So perfect. Any, any departing, any last words, any training tips for, for anybody out there who's listening before we sign off? Just have fun with your dog. Um, don't, don't put this pressure on yourself to try to get through this training aspect in the timeline that say the book says, or the podcast says, just relax, have fun, enjoy the time with your dog and things are going to move faster that way. than if you put all this pressure, you get frustrated and you start yelling at your dog, relax, have fun, enjoy the ride. Lord willing, you're going to have 14, 15 years with this dog. Don't rush through it. Well said. I think uh, uh, that is uh, what we would call a mic drop right there, a walk off. So excellent. Aaron, um, thank you so much for, for jumping on. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of good things that people can, can take um, from all of your experiences and, and your training programs. Um, so thanks again for jumping on and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Tyler. That's it for today's podcast. If you could, please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with another gun dog owner. If you have another 30 seconds, please leave a review. I'm constantly looking for ways to improve and make the podcast better, but I can't do that without your feedback.